you have a, a company that makes $20 million a year and you don't even really work that hard. So bring me back to like when you got started as an entrepreneur, just like what was the first thing you ever did to make money? So the first thing I did was um, I was like eight years old. Did you have like a company when you were in like primary school or high school? Or yeah. 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 I was one of those kids. And um, I think, I think, yeah, I started drawing these like cartoon characters. Have I told you this story already? No. No. And um, basically it became like a semi craze at our school where people wanted like the latest poster or comic book and things like that. So I would draw it and then I'd create like this archetype. Then a friend would draw it, someone would color it in and then I'd go around the schoolyard selling it. And so I'll sell it for like, I'd pay like the drawer 10 cents, the color in person five cents wow. and I'd sell it for like 50 cents. Love and that. I made like $30 and I reinvested into like coloring pencils and things like that. Um, this was like grade one. Yeah, that was like the first thing where I was just kind of, I don't know why I did that, but that just felt really like natural and fun for me. Amazing. I love that. So, okay. Do you think there's a lot of those stories like lemonade stands? I had a lot of those and I yeah. always think like, do you think it translates to success directly later in life? Um, I think some people are like naturally an entrepreneur and some people like become an entrepreneur, um, because they learn about it and they kind of, um, uh, you know, they're good at an element of it. But I do think like, if I look at my high school, there was, I used to sell, uh, you know, things on the bus and I used to sell um, a newsletter and I used to, you know, sell CD-ROMs and burnt CD-ROMs and stuff like that. And now I have a business. And there was, there was another kid that was buying candy really cheap at like a wholesale thing and then reselling it. And he's got a really big business. And we probably got the two biggest businesses from our year level at school. Um, so there's something about it being in your DNA almost where you kind of, just see opportunities and you can't help yourself but jump in it's like too fun and exciting for your personality yeah yeah what do you think so yeah that's i've always said like i think it's um like learning one market is kind of like learning all of them and it's like i talk about like like trading pokemon cards at recess being in like you know grade four or five so like how old is that nine years old yeah. and it's kind of like it's literally like the same thing on bigger scales as you get older and progress and it's like it's really interesting thinking back to that. And it's like, oh, those were like the same skills and things that seemed really like not like not that wouldn't lead to a career or anything. Kind of like those were the skills that that actually did. Whereas like a lot of classes and like shit you learn in like math, like you're never going to learn again. But like being like, oh, I have something that's worth more and like I can, you know, trade it for something else. And like those are like the thought process. So, yeah, I definitely think it. It translates. And that's why I'm always like curious, like what people did, what sparked it at the beginning. Um, but something else, like we were talking about this the other day, like something I've always been really clear on is like, I want to be rich. I want to have my own business, but only if I can have fun doing it. Like I'm not trying to go work, uh, as a lawyer or work in finance because it's like, I know that that's guaranteed. Or I always, you know, thought that growing up, like that's guaranteed to be rich, but it's not fun. And it's not. And like, I was just, if there's one thing I've been clear on my whole life, it's like, I'm going to do it my way. Like, and whether it works or not, that's another story, but like, that's always been the goal. So you have like a lot of businesses. Now you have one massive business, you make $20 million a year and you don't really work that hard. Right. So like, was that always something that was also your goal? The goal or 
So, I mean, back in the day, I wanted to be a lawyer, funnily enough. And okay. like, I'm not talking like high school just because I was like, that's where people make money. And like, it's it was like a high, like esteem job. And I had no idea. And then as I like did law classes, I just totally hated it. And, and like, I think I actually failed like a law, law class in uh, university. But then when I was looking at all these different jobs, I just wanted f- something fun as well. Like I wanted something that I was going to learn. I felt like I could be creative and do my own thing. And my original goal was... I wanted to make enough money where I felt financially free so I could be a musician. Like that was, that was like the uh-huh. original goal. So I was a musician out of university. What kind of music? Uh, kind of like folk indie. Like okay. <laughs> we had like this amazing female lead singer. We had this kind of really like soulful, innocent voice. And uh, we would play like two concerts a week. And I was like, I used to go to music festivals all the time. I actually worked at a music festival, did their marketing. And I just loved the party element, the music element, the creative element. And so I was like, cool, I'm just going to make the money and then I'll go be a musician. Like that was the plan. And then I'll go change the world. That was like my kind of three-step plan. And so my goal was to build the business with as least effort as possible and as least risk as possible. So I wanted to find the opportunity where, you know, I had a 99% chance of success and, you know, even, even success on some scale, whether or not I hit like my biggest goal, I wanted to pick something where I basically couldn't fail. And then see if I could get myself out of it so that I could go do something, you know, Mm. more creative or whatever it was. So you were like, how old were you when you were thinking about that? Uh, I started the business at 23. So you were like already thinking like, okay, I'm going to do something, no risk. And like something that I could like, you had that whole plan. I'm going to change the world later on and all that. Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. I had this kind of like 23 to 30 um, financially free. Yeah. 30 to 33 was like musician slash spirituality um and then i was either i hadn't fully decided but the 33 to 40 was like billion dollar company and 40 onwards was change the world and that was kind of wow. like my plan at 23 um i don't know if i felt like covid threw off my plan a little bit there's a few other things that threw off the plan but that was kind of the high level plan for life wow is the music thing still in the cards probably not i like after i like kind of got out of the business i like picked up like music production and and, like picked up the guitar again and and i'm just like so rusty these days and you know i don't love it as much as i used to and i love entrepreneurship more than i thought i would Mm -hmm. i think i didn't even know what an entrepreneur was you know like i was just like doing business to make money so i didn't have to have a job like it wasn't like I like thought I was going to be an entrepreneur or that was like a legitimate career path it was like i'm going to do whatever i can to not get a job and then I'll figure out what's next. Yeah. Um, but now that I kind of learn about that whole scene, I love it. Um, but yeah, DJing is something with that I'm just doing for fun now. Yeah. As we've spoken about. Yeah, I yeah, started yeah. DJing too. <laughs> yeah, you saw my DJ set. Yeah. Yeah. Got some work to do. So, okay. So that's something that I always think about, which is like people kind of have this this stigma about like, well, like, I can't start a business because of, you know, X, Y, Z, like, you know, it's either like, I need, I don't have the money. I need the income. I need that. You know, it's too risky, blah, blah, blah. And like, I've seen it firsthand. And like, that's what you're talking about where it's like, there's many types of businesses and you can start things that are like pretty much risk-free and you start with revenue and profit from day one. And then you grow it and grow it and grow it. And like, I've done stuff like that. And so what do you think? Like, how do you describe those kind of businesses? I know you have a big agency and that's like, so how does that start from zero? Yeah, I think there's a lot of businesses where um, it's incredibly low risk because, yeah, there's no money up front. You can get cash flow in as like your first customer. You're learning skills that transfer into like making money in the future. So, um, you know, let's say you're really good at um, 
Japanese and you're, you know, and then you're like, okay, cool. I can teach someone how to speak Japanese. Okay, cool. I can find more people that, and I can just put mail, mail drops out and I can go to like this thing. Like, so it doesn't have to take any risk, you know? And each time you get a client, okay, cool. I find other people that can teach people, you know, and if I can get this up to 10 people teaching people and students in high school, now I'm making three, $4,000. Like there's a million businesses like that where no risk that maybe has limited opportunity. Um, and so, but with the agency, it was like, um, you know, worst case scenario, I get like, you know, five clients, 10 clients, and then they all leave me and I have no cost. I didn't have, you know, I built my first website. <laughs> like I learned to code. It's terrible. And then, um, I don't know, like what was my expenses? I didn't have an office. I didn't have anything. So, yeah. um, I kind of couldn't lose. Um, and there's a lot of businesses like that, that are great first businesses to get cash in. And then you can start to kind of play around with what's next for you. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, like building businesses around skills, like you're talking about. Like I taught tennis for a lot of years and I never like treated that like a business. Like I just, but I had clients on my own some years where I wasn't like working for a club and it was like, it it is a business, right? It's like you charge X an hour as you get more experience, you can raise that. And if, you know, if you have then, you know, I could hire someone younger and be like, Hey, I have clients for you. And obviously some things are tough because like, let's say teaching tennis, like a lot of the clients want me and that's why they hire me. So it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm going to like pawn you off to someone else. But yeah, like this guy that this guy I worked for when I was like 18, 19, he ran a bunch of courts and he would do exactly that. He had like four or five lessons going at the same time. I think at the time was like 50 bucks an hour or something or which is cheap now, but and uh, so he was making a few hundred an hour and he was like paying us like 20 or 25 or something. And taking and no risk. Like, yeah. And, and he's just there referrals and everything. standing on the side, smiling, making a few hundred an hour. And like, so like there's so many ways, which I've, I find even though like the huge tech companies that we all hear about, like are really interesting. I find a lot of this stuff like really inaccessible to the average person. And that's like a big block for entrepreneurship. Whereas like the stuff we're talking about is like anyone could do, you know, hundred percent like, I actually had, uh, did I tell you about my poker coaching um, business? No, <laughs> I know, know you play poker, yeah. but. So like my first good income was playing poker. And I did that from like 17 to 23. And I just like studied the game, learn it. You know, I could make $50 an hour grinding cash games. But then I realized like there's variance and all, there's all that emotional up and down kind of, uh, you know, I wasn't loving that. So there's a, a biggest poker forum. So I just posted saying, hey, I'm doing coaching. I think it was like $100 to put up the job ad. And I, I said like, um, first lesson is free and only pay if you like it. Got it like a ton of people that uh, signed up. It was like $60 a lesson. So slightly better than my hourly rate. And then I would sell people like a pack of 10 lessons. Um, and so that way I put the onus on them to have to kind of chase me up, not me chasing them That's up. smart. And most people dro- like just lost interest in like poker after like three or four lessons. Yeah. So my hourly went up and then I had a course. And so I said, hey, I've got a wait list now, but here's a course for like, 200 $300 I kind of remember wow. and I did like thousands of dollars of sales on the course I taught like 60 people and at a certain point I could have taken my best student and just said hey cool you can teach people now that I've got enough leads coming through and I just want $20 an hour for everyone that you teach but I'll like flow on those people through wow. you and so that's another example of like I took the risk of $100 or something like that when I posted up that yeah. job ad and I didn't know if it was gonna work out and I had like a good offer as well um but it was good cash. Like, yeah, sometimes I'd wake up at like 3 a.m. and teach someone in like Korea or something random. <laughs> um, but it was fun. It was super fun for me. Um, yeah. And I was learning to get better at the thing that I liked as well. Like if you're into tennis and like you want to play anyway 
and this is going to make you a better tennis player and you get to make cash and then yeah. if you want to scale it into something low risk and kind of break out of the rat race so that you can start to do the next thing yeah no it was like those kind of jobs i mean tennis for example like kept me in shape for a lot of years it was like i was outside it was nice um but yeah i, I never thought of that particularly as a business but i should have because like that kind of thing exactly that where it's like oh i'm trading my time for money and then i'm not trading my time and then i'm you know have someone else and then you just keep building it's pretty cool what do you think new things are that you've seen now like because i find like things change so fast to where like I remember doing, I had a cookie company for a long time and like not even that, like 2011, I had a Shopify store, which is like, feels like a thousand years ago at this point. And like Shopify was tiny then. And it's like crazy to think that in 11 years since then we've come like this far where it's like Shopify is this massive thing that everyone's using and everyone's selling stuff on Amazon. So like, do you keep up? Like, what do you see now as like opportunities for a 20 year old or whatever, or you, if you, if you were, you know, yeah, 18, 20, whatever now. I mean, I think like a big opportunity is, um, shorts in general, like TikTok, Instagram reels, YouTube shots. There's so many people that just can't be bothered either putting the time into like editing it, understanding like the scripts, the hooks. And there's a lot of people that want to crack, crack the code there. And so like we've both signed up to someone in that space. So it's like proof that there's demand. And I think if you get really good and you build a really good track record, I think that that's something that's interesting. But yeah, I always just think like in terms of like the consulting side of things, like, you know, we've talked about ghostwriting, um, building like a newsletter, um, growing a following on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, you know, we, we talk about AI a lot as well. And so if you start helping companies with like generating art on the right things, animations, um, just keeping on, those are the things that I'm personally following a little bit because yeah. like they're my interest. Yeah. But if you're naturally drawn into, if you're someone that's like, cool, I'm spending a ton of time on TikTok and I'm starting to wrap my head around the algorithm, that's like, cool, I can just find a killer editor, make an amazing guideline on how it should look, connect the dots. Yeah find the sales, charge like three X multiple on that. And then now you've got a business. Yeah. It's super interesting. So like, so basically that agency style thing in different verticals and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's hard for my yeah. brain to not be in the agency. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah. It's like, that's what I know. Yeah. And that's where I see opportunity. Yeah. So I'm actually interested the, the agency thing. Cause that's, that's the biggest business business you've built. Yeah. Um, which is megaphone and how, like, how does that look on a small level? And how does it look now on a big level? Like, how do you make money? How many employees? Like all that kind of stuff. Like how, when, where so when you, it? when you started, like, did you start with like a family friend asked you to <clears throat> do their marketing and you like did it and then you were like a second and a third one. Now I need to hire someone. Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I was running a company called uni party listings in university. And so essentially I love partying and I was going to all these parties like every university party was the best party. It was like, you know, cheap drinks, cheap girls, cute girls, smart. And I was like, okay, these are, these are fun, but it was, they're hard to find. Cause I was going to like random universities parties. And so me and a friend created like a site that tracks them all. And through that, I learned social media, how to grow a following. Like we kind of hacked our way to like 30, 40,000 on Facebook, which was, wasn't like a ton, but it, it had some traction. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine that I bumped in, to on a tram he said that he was building an app for this careers expo and he's like i need someone to do the marketing and i'm like oh, i'm i'm great at marketing like you know i had yeah. done like this one little thing yeah and i was like 
probably another thing that maybe like me and you have as well is like that confidence that you'll just make it work you know yeah you have to be a little bit like um irrationally confident in yourself you're like yeah i'm great like and like i you know i knew nothing but i just in my head i thought i was really good um and so he's like cool i'll sell them i'll take like 25 percent. you take 70 percent or 75 percent and so for me i think it was like 5k or 6k like once the deal closed which you know as a 23 year old you know that was a musician like piano teacher like not really making a lot of money um it was awesome and and then once you get the client, once you get the opportunity to work, then it's like, cool, how do I like over deliver every single time? So it's like, this is what they paid for, but cool, I'm going to build them a custom Facebook app. I'm going to design like their cover page. I'm going to do community management. I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then doing that well was my case study. And then I went to that expo, spoke to every single person there, got my second client. And then it was like a friend of a friend, third client. And then it was kind of just each one had its own story. Yeah. Um, and it took probably a few years before I hired someone and actually tried to turn it into a real company. Um, but yeah, now it's like roughly 150 or so people. It's We launched in three, like three cities in Australia or in the US. Uh, we're like 25, 30 in the US now. We're like four people in the UK. Um, definitely had no intention of getting it this big, but it was like... Crazy. It's just, it's honestly like, it's not harder going from one client to two clients than 100 clients to 200 clients in some sense. Like each thing's mm-hmm. equally as difficult. Um, was it like, so you said for many years it was just you? For at least two years, yeah. And then I got like one person three days a week. Wow. And then, okay, so that's really interesting because like I've always had trouble kind of scaling stuff up because I'm not by nature like a manager and like hiring people. Like I've had, I've hired a few people over the years and it's always been kind of like hard for me. So it's mostly been like agencies, contractors that I've used. Like when I had my cookie company, it was pretty much just me as the employee for like years. And it was like, we had a whole facility that was making cookies and a whole, you know, a driver and all these people, but they weren't like, they they did their own thing. And I hired them for that service. And like, I always had trouble like building, like kind of scaling out my actual company. Like, how'd you do that? And what was like the thing of like, you waited a couple of years and then you were like, okay, like now I need an employee. Yeah. Now I need 10. Now I need like, how did that happen? Um, so there's a few triggers. One was, uh, I had a mentor. Um, I remember like I was reading all these like self-development business books and like, you got to get a mentor. And I was like, cool. I need my, I need my mentor. Um, and so I went on LinkedIn and I just typed in like CEO, <laughs> like founder. <laughs> and then I just start like DMing uh, people on LinkedIn that's amazing. And I think I got like 25 to 30% of people would say, yeah, like let's do a chat. It was like, it was a good message. Like I'd research them. It was like, um, every message I'm very much like the sniper approach and the machine gun approach. Like every message is like tailored. And it's like, I'm going to try to like nail this. Got a good response rate. Um, caught up with like a few really interesting people. Like one of them now runs a billion dollar company at the time. It was, he was just starting it out. But yeah. like, so it was lucky that I kind of, so side note on that, like, I think that's something else that just like frustrates me when people are like, it's so hard. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Like you were just sitting there like DMing people at or whatever it was called at the time, you know, like yeah, messaging. Yeah. And it's like, you'd be surprised, right? Like that's how my experience too. It's like, if you just reach out to people and be like, Hey, I want to help you with this. Or like, I want to ch- like, not everyone responds, but if you put yourself out there, like you'll get, you know, totally. totally. And like yeah. one, of, one out of four is like an insane, right? Still. Yeah. So like do 12 outreaches, you're probably going to get someone. Yeah. Um, 
and make them thoughtful. Like I still get outreaches. You probably get the same where it's like, Hey man, like I need to learn how to get more clients. Can you help me? Like, yeah, that's not good. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, I watched this video. I understood <laughs> this process. I researched this thing for you. I've written up like these yes. tweets because I realized that you're on Twitter right now. I'd love, like, if you think they're valuable, share them. By the way, I'd love if I could to like mm-hmm. buy you coffee, take 15 minutes of your time. Like, and that's kind of how I approach these people. Where could I see value? Make sure I read everything yeah. they put out. Another thing I've noticed is like people that you think are kind of, oh, they're on another level or like they've, they've made it and whatever. Like, unless it's like, you know, like Drake or someone like they, yeah. they, everyone needs help. Like, and, ev- and no, you know, they're even Drake, like they're trying to do something else. Right. Yeah. So like, whether it's like they, they're, they're a musician and they're trying to get, be bigger or they're trying to act or like everyone's trying to get somewhere else. And if you can help them get there, no matter what level they're on, like people are open to it. So like I've reached, reached out like to people that like are famous producers or whatever. And I've been like, Hey, I know you don't have any like merch. Like I love designing stuff. Like, why don't I like help you? And it's like, cool. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, and then yeah. that's how you, that's how you kind of make connections and try stuff. And it's like, totally. And you know, and I also think that there's like this kind of hidden uh, group of people where they're like, they're like E-list famous, but they're A-list successful. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. And so people like to go for A-list famous, D-list successful. Yeah. So like the information isn't as good and they're really hard to reach and they're getting a lot of DMs. Yeah. It's like so the wrong way to think about it as well. Yeah. And so if you find like the, like if you try to reach out to, you know, um, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, like yeah. they're just, like, they're just too famous, but you could find like a tech company worth a billion dollars that no one knows about and they might actually be open to mentoring you. They're probably yeah. still busy, but no one reaches like no one knows about them necessarily like there's these hidden companies and they're like sometimes even smarter than like some of the more well-known people yeah um you recently did a mega viral thread on twitter about this guy brian johnson who's kind of in that category right yeah um where he's like super interesting and so how'd you find him initially uh andrew wilkinson so (laughs) okay um, i listen to my first million podcast yeah they were interviewing this guy andrew wilkinson billionaire he's like the berkshire hathaway of internet companies yep. super smart guy 36 year old andrew yeah killing it and i was really inspired by what he was doing because i was like man this guy gets to run like 40 companies and he's working like three hours a day i was like <laughs> and he's just like incubating ideas so i wrote this like you know i listened to every single podcast that he'd been on like i think i was like 27 in the end um i wrote this like really decent not like excellent but decent uh email it took me like three minutes to write it at that point but because i knew a lot about him and then he just said like hey man i don't really do zoom calls but it sounds like you're working some cool stuff if you're ever in canada like let's do lunch so i was like cool i'm in canada whenever you're free for lunch like let's do this and so anyway we were hanging out and then he's mentioned he's like you should really check out this guy brian johnson so uh-huh. like i wrote a note brian johnson and then i googled him later couldn't find him like he was like incognito and I kept, I went back to my notes a couple of times and I was like, who's this Brian Johnson guy? Found out about him. You know, he sold Venmo for, uh, and Braintree for $800 million. Now he's spending millions of dollars on his health. Super interesting guy. Yeah. And exactly like that, like that tweet, he was kind of a little undiscovered. And so that went crazy viral. And then he ended up reaching out yeah, as well. That's awesome. Like, I think another thing I've heard over the years too, and it's like, it's really stuck with me is kind of like, instead of trying to you know, make friends with Elon, like look in your circle, like people ignore the people right around them that they've like grown up with and whatever, because it's kind of like, Oh, they're just, you know, 
you're just max, whatever. Like we hang out, you know, but like you, like I can, you can find those people in your circle and around you that are like accessible and that, that are inspiring. And like, instead of trying to like cold email Elon Musk for five years, like it's going to be very hard to reach because he's so public and everybody is trying to do that. And I think that's like really interesting. Like I've, a lot of people I've met over the years, a lot of people I've known forever, kind of like seeing what they're doing. That's really cool, inspiring, unique, and like learning from those people. And then you come up together, you know? Yeah. It's like, and then you become that. And then, you know, and then like it's different generations. And that's like, that's like, I think a good lesson for people to like, that's something that stuck with me. Totally. Yeah. You know, another thing as well is like, like if you're all starting, if you're doing a cookie company, like people go, cool, let me find another person running a cookie company. But instead, like find someone running like, um, you know, a chocolate bar company because you're in the same category, mm. but you're not competing. Yeah. Um, and so like people that are like directly competing with me, they're like, cool, what's your like lead generation channel? Yeah. So that I can like rip off exactly what you're doing <laughs> and make your co- cost like, of fuck off. Like- yeah, it's like, it's like. <laughs> I get why I would be valuable for you, but it's like, if you're like selling app development or you're like, you know, TikTok influencer management, cool, now we're not competing. Now you can actually pass people my way, actually offer me value. So if I actually help you get customers, like we could actually win together. Yeah, It does make more sense. So like my this one of my mentors was like a really high-end web development company. And so I was like, how's he getting, you know, Virgin and, um, you know, like these big telecommunication companies as clients. And he's open to sharing because I'm not doing app development, you know, so I'll, he'll teach yeah, me his playbook. That makes sense. That's a good one. Um, so you did like, you've had a YouTube channel for a long time, like a hundred thousand subscribers or something. Uh, so first of all, do you make money off YouTube? Negligible. Okay. So is that ha- like, is that because like the algorithm now doesn't, or, or did you ever make money from it? Um, I mean, I've lost money on it because of like the cost that I put into yeah, the production, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the revenue side was, you know, at its peak, $200 a month or something like okay. that. And then I was selling sponsorship for, uh, videos and they would be like $1,500 a video or something, maybe like that, maybe like 2k at its peak. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was never, it, I kind of didn't intend to make money from it right that wasn't the point of it yeah what do you think so your whole a big part of your channel was like learning skills right and like documenting that and doing challenges and that kind of stuff do you think that was like a forcing function like having the channel and making the content was like forced forced you to like learn things every year a hundred percent yeah so i mean i was always like a serial learner like um i was you know, I, like when yo-yos were a thing, like I competed in yo-yos and then, like, you know, I was like super smash bros, super smash bros, top 20 in Australia, yeah. super smash bros. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, I just like, that's kind of like my brain where it's just like, I find something I'm like, this is cool. And then I'm like, you keep unlocking new mysteries of that thing. You're like, Oh, why don't I do it like that? And so that's just like fun for me. That's play for me. Um, and so I always like the idea of just learning a lot of things. I like this idea of like being like this Renaissance man where like, you go anywhere in the world and like you're in like France and then you order like in French and then like, oh, there's a piano and then you like play piano and then like you're just like this person that's like at peace with the world because you kind of have mastered so many different things. Yeah. So that was kind of like this vision I had for myself. And then this YouTube channel was, you know, how can I teach people the joy of learning? How can I make it easier and more fun for them? And then how can I leverage the channel to connect with the best teachers in the world when it comes to these skills that I want to learn? Yeah. And then every month I had this like, 
you know, deadline. And usually like it was a 30 day challenge, but I'd have to do it in like 25 days because I'd have like five days of editing. And so I was like cramming all of this learning for like random things every month while running a business and traveling and doing all these other things. <laughs> did that for over, th- I think I did that for three years. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite or most valuable skill you learned? I think, um, there was a handful that I loved. Um, but yeah, the memory one was really good. Um, so in that challenge, the goal was to try to learn an 80 digit random number in 15 minutes and 60 <laughs> names and faces in okay. 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I think I ended up doing 78 numbers in 15, in like 11 minutes actually. So okay. literally you could just print out a random string of numbers and like 80 numbers that I've never wow, seen before. That's and incredible. Like 11, 12 minutes, you could memorize that whole thing. Um, and so that's pretty cool because like now with like credit cards and like and things, yeah. I learned this concept like memory palace. Honestly, it takes you like 15 to 20 hours to master this technique and then anyone can do it. It's not like, uh, wow. it's not that difficult. Do you think, so like I, I'm a big believer in like doing random stuff because I think even if a lot of people are like, I don't have time to do that. I'm running a business or I work full time. Like I can't like learn this language or learn that memory thing. I think that it all connects and it's like the more random stuff you do, you might see business opportunities, things connect. Like Mm. I haven't, I don't even know exactly what, but something about it like makes your brain work in this way where like you see the world differently and like they all connect. Do you find that? Yeah. It's kind of like the Google 20%, you know, project X time, you know, that, you know, that thing where it's like 80% is your core thing and 20% is experimentation and something might skyrocket everything. And because like, you know, we're both into like AI and we're exploring that. And so, you know, I've now found the intersection of, you know, like AI, which is something that I just was like infinitely passionate about. And then some other opportunity, another opportunity. And that's led to like this new thing. And so if I wasn't following AI, then my marketing agency could be disrupted by it. Or I might have not seen this opportunity. Um, Let's talk about AI, actually, because so you just started a new company, Story Times. So talk about it. I mean, I think it's AI stuff is like the coolest thing right now. I'm just like completely amazed by it. Every time we get together, we're like, <laughs> yo, check this out. Look at this tool. Like, it's just like, and it's so exponential that like every week there's something new. Like I can't even imagine in a year and five years, like what it's yeah, going to be. Insane. So like you're doing something really cool if you want to yeah, so introduce it. Actually, when me and my girlfriend met, she, she kind of painted this like really epic idea where she has this mission of making storytelling inclusive and she feels like stories is one of the most impactful things that humans have in terms of changing behavior. And so but part of the issues with um, the stories that we see on TV and movies is A, they kind of have limited amount of like values that they can teach and B, they're not necessarily inclusive. If you are someone with a disability and, you know, you're of a different ethnicity, you not, might not be able to see representation of yourself in stories. So therefore, you might not find it as motivating so hmm. imagine if there was this company where you can, as a parent, say, hey, I'd love to teach my child about entrepreneurship and integrity and, you know, and they look like this and, you know, and then, you know, with, you know, click of a button, you know, it's not, we're not quite there yet. The story is generated. So that's kind of like this long term vision and mission of this company. And as I was playing out around with generative art, I was like, oh, my God, like the text here, like we can do this. And so. So you just upload as a parent, you upload 20 pictures of your kid and it spits out this story with your kid as the main character. Exactly. So where it is right now is, yeah, you upload at, at least five videos, uh, images up to 20. And then we generate 
like 150 images on the back end. And then we have a team that like selects the right images and then we build this book for you. And now your child becomes the hero. And so we've created storybooks for people of all different ethnicities, ages, glasses, no glasses. And they're all becoming, you know, the, the superstar in this book where they become a rock star and they become an astronaut. And, the, and they're these beautiful illustrations. And so we're working with these like totally insanely good tech team right now. And we're building out like more uh, iterations. We've got like this cool pipeline. But eventually, um, yeah, I want to make it so like there's this idea where you can come in, you answer a quiz, your age, their interests, whatever it is. And then this like super epic book is like generated. So sick. Wow. Um, okay. So like, yeah, AI is just taking over. Like pretty soon we won't be recording podcasts. Yeah, like what's yeah. the point of us at I'll all? Just download us and like, say, yeah. cool, have a conversation around AI. And the, then- the thing I saw this week where it's literally like you tell, you like speak to the computer and you're like, hey, code me this app or website. It's like, that's like such a high level skills coding and people yeah. get paid like a million dollars a year to be, to be an engineer. And it's like, that is just replaced. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, what are people going to be doing in five, 20 years? Yeah. I think it's so epic that instead of like needing to learn the skill, every single person becomes a creator and a creative. Yeah. So, you know, the best artist in the world might not know how to paint or draw and the mm. best musician might not know how to play an instrument but they have the musical knowledge or ideas in their head. They've never been able to, you know, maybe their circumstances of life have never allowed them the time to learn the guitar because they're born into like this really hard life. Mm. And, you know, they've had to work really hard and support their family, but maybe they're, they're this musical genius. And now just with natural language, they can actually translate their ideas into music or art or animation or stories um, yeah. or websites or technology um, eventually. I think that the world or like everyone becomes a creator. And so the amount of like ideas and iterations that we can generate as, as like a civilization becomes exponential. And so to me, that's just like so exciting. Um, yeah. I think like uh, it's, it's a like now is as good a time as ever to be like an entrepreneur, to be someone who just like sits back and sees opportunities and tries things because it's like, if you trade your time for money, whether it's like writing, coding, drawing, like all this stuff. And, and you're really like stuck on that. Like you're in trouble. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this, these things are like doing better job and faster and it's super early. So in 10 years, like you got to look ahead of it and be like, okay, like if this little, like, like kind of like toy thing is now coding apps in two seconds, like I'm cooked. Like, you know, I, you know what I mean? So like, I think it's like important now for everyone to kind of reevaluate, you know, and be like, yeah, like it's the people who are seeing opportunities and who are like orchestrating things are going to be successful 100%. in the next 10, 20 years, whatever it is. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy time to see some of these tools. Like, yeah, you know, uh, I was thinking like, it's also like that evolution of like, if you're also angry about it, then you're like the horse breeder that's like not accepting the car. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Yep. And so you're like, no, 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 like. I've got all these horses, like, let's try to stop this, you know, or yeah. you can say taxi cool. driver, exactly. Uber, taxi like drive to Uber. It's like, or I can go, okay, cool. This is the next tech. This is what's going to happen inevitably because it's just better, yeah. you know? And so then how can I be part of it? And the people that are adapting, like the musicians that are going, cool, let me learn this. The coders that are like, let me learn this. They're actually going to be even more valuable yeah. because it is still hard to wield like the AI it's going to be always changing and to be up to the latest yeah. you know you know date of everything so there's massive opportunity for all these people that are going to become you know like 
behind if they don't evolve. Yeah. No, it's like always in, we, we think like, oh my God, the world's ending, you know, but it's always in hindsight. Like now it's like, oh, like Uber was inevitable. Like Uber's incredible. Like no one would want a world without Uber except taxi drivers because they're just defensive about like, this is how I make my money. But yeah, exactly. Instead of panicking, it's like, oh, like, you know, I can drive Uber now. I can drive Lyft. I can do more, more drives without taught without doing less. Maybe I can make more money, you know, like get a fleet of cars, like whatever it is. It's like just being romantic about what made you successful in the past is like the best way to not be successful going forward. I've learned that firsthand, right? It's like things change. Like, you know, I remember we were talking about, I was going to say before we were talking about the cookie company and early marketing stuff. And like, I did a good job early with social media. Like Instagram was out. I was like getting people to post by dropping them off cookies before influencer marketing was a thing and kind of grew a following like that. And like big companies were coming to me, like, can you do our marketing? Can you do our social media? And it's like, um, and I was sort of like, I don't, you know, and I was, I guess I was just doing a good job early on. And then like two years or three years passed. And then it became like this science. And I remember like a company asked me about marketing and they were like, it was all, and I was like, yeah, I can help. And then it was like, all these like numbers and like back end stuff. And I, I, I didn't know any, it became like a science, right. Cause it evolved and it was like, Oh, I'm no longer like a great marketing person. You know, it's like, I have the ideas, but like in 2013, it was like, I was ahead of the curve. Like I was like, could do a great job. And then like by 2016, I was like, not that. Cause there's people who that's all they did, you know? And it's like, it's ever changing. And it's like, find things you're passionate about and just like keep learning because it's like, and that's one thing that's cool about you learn all these skills. It's like, you need to do that. Right. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, is that part of so like you you told me this framework once where we're like you have to think about like your first business or whatever is to serve X purpose, the second one is for this, the third, and like that was really interesting because that's something like sometimes I have trouble and I've heard people also say like it's hard to like get away from okay this is what made me successful I'm gonna do more of that or like well it has to make money and so like you want to talk about that a little, like your first business was to be free and yeah. I mean, so there's no right playbook, but yeah. So for me, the way that I thought about it is business one, you want to optimize for low risk breaking. Like this is for me, low risk breaking from the matrix. So like being financially free. Um, and then also, um, skill acquisition. And so if you can solve those three things from your first business, then you'll be, you'll have time because you'll have enough income coming in to support your lifestyle and you'll have the skill set to kind of do what you want to do next. And then if you want to have a luxurious life and you want to fly private and if you want to live in a great house and whatever it is, then maybe the next business is like a scaling business. So then you think about like opportunities, but now you have actually a vantage point of understanding what opportunities looks like because at 23 and even like 29, I'm 33 now. And, um, even though I had done the marketing for hundreds of businesses, I still didn't properly understand like what good opportunities were, what good economics were, what product market mm. fit is. And I feel like I've like learned a lot over the last few years. And I've been humbled by the fact that I was like, you know, the amount of things that I've failed as well, where I just thought, cool, I'm a good marketer. Give me a product, I'll sell it. And then I was like, no, actually people need to want, to, want the product and the economics have to be good, of course. Um, and so really understanding that. And then if you want to bring that into the second business, and then to me, like, you know, the ultimate goal pioneer of like entrepreneurship is to like serve your highest value. And so like, if you're like a mission driven person or you want to kind of change the world or whatever it is, then that's going to give you the most 
energy for the longest period of time because eventually a dollar the value of a dollar is going to become diminished and eventually your wildest luxurious dreams are going to be met and you're not going to be fulfilled by like constantly creating more unless there's something internally that's like driving that that for you yeah but if there's a mission behind it um then that mission can have more motivation for a longer period of time and so for me that's you know but some people start mission you know i've got friends that their first business is mission driven and then those people are going to be like total killers and actually there's a way where you can find all of those values in you can actually be mission driven low risk high cash mm-hmm. flow learn the skills all in business number one yeah and if you can solve that while you're young that's like really dangerous you know like those people will go far so yeah no, I don't know. I, yeah, if there's one thing I've learned is that there's no rules and there's no, yeah. like, that's the craziest thing. It's everyone's always trying to give advice and give like, this is how you do. And it's like, people just are reflecting on their own experiences, failures, successes. And it's like, there's literally a million ways yeah. to do it. But I really like what you talked about because I think that is one thing where a lot of people fail because they're, they're not just doing the simple thing of like, let me make money you know, reinvest, make more money, like those simple businesses that are, you know, cause I remember growing up and all you hear is like 99% of businesses fail. And like, they try and put these ideas in your head of like, you know, you're a statistic, like 99% are going to fail. And like, you try this, you have a, you know, but it's not like that because like that, like an agency business, like by, by, by definition, you didn't fail. You have a customer that's paying you to do something. That's a successful business, you know? So I think that's that's super interesting. Um, anything else that's like on your mind that you're like that I'm reflecting on, or like a truth that you believe about money, about like entrepreneurship that like you always want to tell people, like you know, that's just like on your mind. That's like I need to like let people know. <laughs> I think on that idea, I do. Well, here's a few things. One is like you don't have to work hard to make a lot of money, um, and I do feel like that's just like a common misconception. I um, love that one. And Andrew Wilkinson, like, he's like, <laughs> I remember, like, Sam Parr from My First Million, he tweeted out, like, you know, something along the lines of, like, the most successful people would be the hardest working, um, you know, yes, as outside examples, but they'll never be as successful as the ones that are working the hardest. And then Andrew Wilkinson commented, he's like, absolutely false. Like, in my prime, I was working two to three hours a day, like, <laughs> in my top prime, like, peak. And I love that. Um, and so... It, I mean, it makes sense that you don't have to work really hard. Like, let's say if you're building the next Tesla, if you can find the next Elon Musk and raise the money and let them go yeah. and you own 50% of the company, if you pull together the pieces, then you could have 50% of the next biggest company in the world. So by definition, obviously, you don't have to work hard if you can, like, pull together the right pieces. Um, and there's a lot of creative ways to pull <laughs> together say, the right I was, pieces. I remember being out with a friend last year and it was like a Sunday night and we were like out at a bar or something and he, he runs like a big multi hundred million dollar company. And I was like, we were just out on a Sunday and I was like, Oh, like, you know, are, are these guys like guys that work for him? Like, are they coming out? And he's like, no, they have to work. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh wow. <laughs> that just clicked for me. Like, you know, the guy who owns the whole thing is not working, you know? And of course, like, again, this is like a hot take. It's like, of course you have to work hard and in a lot of ways. And like, but I think like you're saying the amount of hours and all these things are overstated because like there's people who work, you know, 20 hours a day, but they just have a job and, and make minimum wage or whatever. And they're, you know, so it's like, it's not about just the hours you put in. And like, that, that's, that's a big a key thing. thing. You know, I, I think like thinking about leverage is so important 
because mm-hmm. it can be you can get carried away with like work 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 and like right now you know for whatever reason i'm actually working really hard the like the last couple of weeks because i'm like super like excited about what i'm working on and it just feels like play for me like it's genuine like i wake yeah. up in the morning i'm like you know like oh sick like the new website's done like you know oh like you know it's it's fun for me um but i think like if you are like grinding and if and it feels really hard, you know, some businesses, maybe they need that a little bit more than others, but there always are interesting ways to think about leverage and to try to figure out ways where you can get out of like weeds and find the things that you're all kind of most energized by. Yeah. I think it's like not to be confused with like you sit on the couch all day and magic happens. Like you do work really hard and you have worked for a long time and your brain's always doing stuff and that's work. Right. And it's like, it just, in the sense of how people say like outwork everyone, like that's not the answer totally. to be the, and like the, the painful work and like, Oh, like I have to skip this thing and do this thing. Yeah. But you can get pretty far because most people just don't work hard at all. You can get pretty far into a level of success by just outworking people in a way yeah. But to get, to become like what, what people see of like really successful and multimillionaires and big companies. Like that's not just about the hard work. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah, you know, I think like more important than hard work, infinitely more important than hard work is um, focus and mentorship. And so if you can solve those two pieces, and that's something that most people can't solve mm-hmm. because most people won't stay with something for a long enough period of time or they won't seek enough good answers. You know, they're not being resourceful enough in their problem solving. Um and mentors can hopefully direct you in the right opportunities as well, because I do think people get caught up in these really complicated, challenging opportunities, often for like early, early businesses in their like entrepreneurial career. And then the focus piece, like it is very hard. And I'm, I'm guilty of this more than anyone of like after six months of excitement for a project, yeah. going, oh, I'm going to do the next thing now, the yeah. next thing now. And I remember the same mentor that helped me get my first employee, he also said, I was going to start a teeth widening business and I was like, I'd found like a location and I was like, cool, this is like a trend. Like maybe it would have been successful. Probably not. Um, but he's like either only do the teeth widening thing or only do megaphone, but yeah. don't do both. Cause someone out there is just doing one and they're going to like beat you. And um, I thought that, that was good advice because uh, even though maybe I didn't work as hard in the office, I learned a lot. And when it came to like megaphone, I, I genuinely felt like no one in Australia knew like social media marketing better than me. Cause I studied harder. I like built my network of like the best marketers in the world. And that was kind of my advantage. It wasn't yeah. like that. I was like at the computer, like creating another campaign, for, you know, every day it was yeah. like, I'm studying and I'm like on top of the trends. Yeah. I think people confuse that a lot. Like diversify, like everyone with the, those seven streams of income and whatever, like, that's to stay rich. Like if you've made your money, like, yes, diversify. You want to have more streams of income, but like people don't get rich from doing 17 things. They get rich from doing one thing really, really well. Most of the time, right? 100%, like, 100%. <laughs> you know, and it's, you have to decide what that number is where you're, where you've made it or not. But like, yeah, I think that's a huge thing that I'm always like frustrated when I hear people talk about like, oh, I'm starting this and I'm working here and doing this. It's like, just do one. Well, yeah. like, you know, you're not. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But we're both guilty of that. You know? At and, the same, and for sure. Like, like, yeah, like, like I'm not saying, I, you know, I'm doing any better, but I know that the right answer is. Totally. Like, and that's it. I know too, but it's like, <laughs> hey, I want to have fun. And like, yeah. I'll but I think it's important to categorize things. Like I'm doing this because it scratches my creative mm-hmm. itch. I'm doing this because it's my consistent income. I'm doing this because it has potential to be a billion dollar thing. You know, like why are you doing each thing? Not just like head down doing all this stuff. And I've been guilty about that in the past, you know? So 
One, one thing on that that I heard that I thought was interesting is if you're doing divergent, uncorrelated activities, then um, you do get diminishing returns on each activity. But if they somehow converge and compound, so for example, like let's say, I don't know, you're, you want to start a podcast and like you want to do something creative, you want to do something like money-making, whatever, and your money-making thing is an agency and you're trying to think of your creative thing. If your creative thing can align to like building a personal brand on the on you know for the agency, the creative thing is coming up like playing around with AI art, and maybe that will become a product in your agency. So you might have multiple creative interests. You yeah. might want to be, um, I don't know, like you might want to be really into sewing. But like if you go cool, I have multiple creative interests, but the sewing thing doesn't actually compound, but this AI art thing does compound. Then you can kind of make sure everything actually comes together at a certain point. Um, and I do think uh, entrepreneurs that solve multiple things that compound together can actually go even further than the people mm. that focus too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good lesson for sure. All right. I think that was a good, cool. good little first episode. Let's go. Money talks. I learned, I learned some things. I have some things to think about. Um, yeah. That was, a, that was a good combo. All right. Let's cool. wrap it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, wait, if you want to find Max, Want to give your social media, plug your social media. Yeah, Max Hurden on Twitter, Max Hurden, Max.Hurden on Instagram. I've got two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Follow both if you're a real fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Max. All right. Yeah.